Welcome to the 52nd episode of the ABC Pod, the adult book club, where we drink and we read things. This episode features Scythe by Neil Schusterman. Spoilers are between the 47 and 1 hour 29 minute marks. We spend a lot of time discussing how well the characters and setting were written in this book and what we liked and disliked about all of it. We also touch on how we would feel if we were recruited to be Scythes and how at times this book felt like bows on bows on bows. We finish with our usual segments and another surprise book for next episode. So with that, let's hear it. Well, Tasha and Russell, they both love reading books. Tasha and Russell, they both love reading books. Well, what do you do when you share such love? Well, you start a club, you start a club, an adult book club, an adult book club, and a podcast. Welcome to the 52nd episode of the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. I am Russell. She is Taja. Hello. Hello and welcome back everybody to the podcast where we drink and we read things. And on this episode, we read Scythe by Neil Schusterman. But before we get into that, it has been four weeks or a month as we put it. Uh, We've been a little busy. Taja, what's been going on? Oh boy. Okay. So Barry and I went to Puerto Rico. What? Nobody knew that was happening. That's crazy. No one knew that was going to happen. It was amazing. We had some pretty epic Airbnbs to stay in that I was super stoked about and they all delivered. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. The food is phenomenal. We still have moments where we're like, remember that food we had and blah, blah, blah. And I dream about it on the regular it was so tasty yeah i could probably talk like a whole podcast about just the puerto rican food that we had we'll do um, a special episode like every year like what were our travels and we'll just talk yeah ah, we'll just talk about that that'd be good the uh like an interlude episode <laughs> the driving though not so great i mean surprisingly decent road quality Pretty much everything was paved. I don't think we ever went on a dirt road except for one time, but we weren't driving. But they're terrifying because it's like very mountainous in the middle of the of the island, um, which is primarily where we were living. And we, you know, like the road signs that have like the little squiggly yeah. snake. We decided to call those roads murder spaghettis because they're <laughs> snakes or danger noodles. And they were kind of like on a scale. So like a danger noodle was like a not so curvy one. And then a murder spaghetti was like a super curvy one. <laughs> and there were lots of those. And those roads, let me tell you, are supposed to be two, two cars and then people parking on the side. It is not the yeah. size for two cars. Like even a little bit when we got onto like a highway every now and then we'd be like look at all this space <laughs> um so yeah driving was terrifying and people are crazy in their driving um i'm so 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 surprised we didn't actually witness any accidents but there were lots of cars with really effed up like bumpers and and side view mirrors that were ripped off and all sorts of things you can imagine so yeah getting home and driving barry hates driving in vermont because he hates vermont drivers well he hates a lot of things about vermont but the drivers are one of them and he was like i am looking forward to being home and driving with vermonters (laughs) but yeah he he did great driving he gets car sick so he can't like navigate so he was the driver and i was the navigator and we decided that if you're gonna be a rally car racer go to puerto rico to practice because it's perfect for that And maybe we could also rally car race now. We're skilled. Um, And then last weekend, uh, we were all together, all of our friends in Maine for lobster delivery. It's true. Yeah, no, 
could have wished for I I think the beginning of the week we were so blessed with the weather because it said it was going to be crappy all week and it wasn't or all weekend and it wasn't and then the end and of then it, it got this, crappy this is, this is what you were expecting yeah. so could could have definitely had better weather at the end but I think it was better than expected uh sure. yeah there were definitely like a, there was at least one full day of like way nicer than what we were expecting yes. um and then it just kind of like constantly was soggy and it was like humid so everything if it wasn't actually rain wet it was like moist which was yucky it's just like a not pleasant camping experience and I think everybody kind of had that same vibe of like yeah everything's just damp Uh, yeah yeah. but it was was really good and it was fun to hang out with everyone yeah still a great time and uh went searching on the beach for all different kinds of treasure found plenty and trash we picked up some trash it's true felt good it was like earth day back in uh elementary school yeah right (laughs) but yeah plenty of glass both sea and just trash and uh, found a fossil which was really cool not anything great and not even a full fossil it was like some fern or something like that but i've never found one before and the the full horseshoe crab and a full horseshoe crab yeah it's a full scallop that's it yeah Uh, which are going to great classroom near you to to be things for kids so that was pretty cool uh yeah all in all like that's that's like my Instagram reels are just full of people finding things because like that has just become my thing like I just want to be a treasure hunter without going into the ocean so (laughs) going back to you talking about the food and everything in Puerto Rico uh while we were in Portugal Amanda was talking about how she's just she started a list at one point in our travels where she records the best things she's Mm. ever eaten and it's not like like it's not like everything, but it's got to be yeah. that like next level where it's like it's the it's the the the, the nat twenty right yes uh, and it's interesting because it's going back through a lot of our travels and her saying like oh remember this like at this place and it's like oh yeah I guess kind of but like her always having that list without that we definitely wouldn't yeah she does that also with experiences too where it's right. like I mean we have pictures and all that but she said she just likes looking at it to kind of like remember in the moment so mm-hmm. something I don't know I think it's really neat and smart um really I still won't idea. do it because I have her to do it but <laughs> <laughs> no I should adopt that like I definitely get where she's coming from with like pictures I have a terrible memory so if I'm not taking pictures of like an event or something I will likely completely forget about it so recording the food is a good idea because I'm not well I do take pictures of my food but anyway (laughs) and I was super judgmental of this too because we she had gotten digital picture frames for her parents so they could Mm. see their grandkids and us uh and you know everybody can just send it to them it's super cool now you don't have to be in the same room as it but she got one for us and I was like we don't need those we don't have any grandkids whatever but she's like we have so many pictures that you never see and she looks but I don't and I'll be honest, it's been really cool. <laughs> like, it's like right above our TV. So like while I'm on the couch, I'll like look up and be like, oh, where was that? Where you know, it's it's a nice little thing keeping the memory going as I grow older and older. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But uh we also traveled, we spent two weeks in Portugal in the Azores, which was super cool. Just a lot of incredible nature things and just a different environment. They call it the Hawaii of the Atlantic, or that's how they're promoting it. And it's crazy because since we've come back, Amanda has met like three or four people that are like, oh, like my cousin's dentist is going in October or like my pet sitter is going in August. Like they've definitely, the whole reason we went was I saw it on Instagram and it (laughs) seems like they've really been promoting online and it is beautiful. So people are going because it's 
instead of 15 hours to Hawaii, it's five hours across the Atlantic. Yeah. So was it um less expensive to, than Hawaii? I mean, I know you've been there too. Yeah, stuff was definitely less expensive. They are closer to the mainland. They're like 900 or a thousand miles from Portugal, okay. but they also seem to do a lot with their own place. Like there, yes. I had two of the better steaks I've ever had there yeah. because they, they raise milk cows and beef cows and their beef cows are really tasty. So that was, that was nice, especially since some of the other places we go to beef can be like very um, rare get, or, yeah. or it's very terrible. So, yeah. Uh, the same was- thing with Puerto Rico. There was like a lot of stuff that they do themselves, obviously like fruits and veggies and stuff like grown items yeah for them it was pineapples too pineapples is their big oh, thing yeah. so like pineapples were in everything and we like went to a pineapple plantation at one point and oh, i didn't neat. realize they like like picture an aloe plant with a pineapple yeah, I yeah. Didn't know that's how they grew i assumed they were trees uh, yeah yeah so. it's, yeah they're crazy <laughs> that was fun too but uh, <laughs> also piggybacking on your driving experience here it was a lot like old town places especially on Tercera the second island we stayed on it was they it was one-way streets a lot of the way but they did the parking on part of it and then driving yep. the part and it was there was a couple times I had to go up on the curb because you just couldn't use the road anymore because the way people had parked there yeah. was one point where we parked and this person drove by and we learned that side mirrors don't always fold in, but they also fold the other way too, because they drove right through our side mirror. And thankfully it did not break. Not like oh my God. Boomeranged like all the way forward and then boom, boom all the way back. And we we're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Totally a heart, stop, heart stopper moment. Yeah. But I was so ready to not drive there anymore I can feel what Barry was feeling for sure because it was I'm I'm always on edge a little bit when we travel just because like I don't want to get into an accident in another country, car obviously. And yeah. yeah so that was one thing when we get home I'm like oh and obviously where we live it's the exact opposite of what we experience when we right? travel <laughs> uh, but we did see a lot of cool things there's a ton of lakes there and a ton of like hot springs and stuff like that we did check off a bucket list item for me which is to swim in a natural hot springs like on the coast so cool. that was super cool because it was uh, there was like a hot spring coming out and then you got the cold ocean cool. coming in so it was like a perfect gradient where you could yeah. get in, like, next to the hot spring and be super warm and then work your way out like I never want to swim in the ocean again any other way I don't <laughs> you've been ruined yes ruined and then the other thing too we had our first mishap where we actually had to return a rental car because we had a flat tire uh, oh. So that was interesting too. And I may have screwed up because the only thing that didn't have English as well was the air pump. So we had like, uh, we had a low tire. Oh, <laughs> Our tire was low on air. So it wasn't flat. So I yeah. went to the air pump and like, it was all in Portuguese. So I don't think I put enough air into it, but it was like enough for that day. It looked full. Um, yeah. And then the next morning when we came out, it was flat again. So it was like, okay, soft. It was a soft tire. So we like filled it up again and just brought it back and they were super cool about it. And thankfully it was at our first place where we were like five minutes from the rental company. Yeah. Place where we were like half an hour. So if it had to happen, it was the perfect place to happen. That's good. But uh, aside from that, the other big news, as you have seen on the YouTube that we don't post, is we have new merch as uh, Taja came up with these ones. It is We Drink and We Read Things which we were very excited to put out there. So if you want a shirt, let us know and we'll get one out to you. We will be bringing them to Dragon Con in 
about five weeks now. So if you see us there, let us know. We did get more mediums as last time. That was, <laughs> that was a popular size. It was. So uh, very exciting stuff there and a beautiful, lovely light color. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have gone on long enough about us. Let's get to why everyone is here, of course, for the book. But before we do that, this is your monthly reminder at this point to follow us on instagram and twitter we are at adult book club 21 it is adult book club all one word and then the number 21 you can find our few posts there we'll post some stuff about the shirts coming up obviously so you can see what they actually look at so on that note we get back to the book and this was a surprise book from taja it is once again scythe by neil schusterman I feel like I will struggle with that word as I did when we announced it last episode. But Scythe was originally released in 2016 and is the first book in the Ark of the Scythe series. The series continues with Thunderhead and The Toll. A film adaptation has been in the works for some time and the screenplay was taken over by new writers in early 2023. Schusterman has written more than 40 novels in his career and has added to that numerous short stories, a picture book, novelizations of X-Files episodes, poems, and 10 different murder mystery games. So very busy person. This was one that I had not really heard of Neil Schusterman. And when I saw that kind of background, I was like, holy yeah. shit. Okay, it feels like somebody we should have heard of. So yeah, I've been around for a minute, apparently, if they're writing things about X-Files episodes. Yeah, that that's always an interesting thing when it's like, oh, I think it was like 1980s he started or something. Or yeah. Something. Wow, that's, you've been around. Uh, the yeah. Murder Mystery Games I thought was really fun too. Yeah. Breaking games, that's neat. But before we get into the book, Taja, if you want to read us the jacket. Of course. A world with no hunger, no disease, no war, no misery. Humanity has conquered all those things and has even conquered death. Now scythes are the only ones who can end life, and they are commanded to do so in order to keep the size of the population under control. Citra and Rowan are chosen to apprentice to a scythe, a role that neither wants. These teens must master the art of taking life, knowing that the consequence of failure could mean losing their own. They learn living in a perfect world comes only with a heavy price. A Prince Honor Book Scythe is the debut of a thrilling new series by National Book Award winning author Neil Schusterman, who has apparently done so many things that we didn't know about. That's so many things. So as mentioned there, we have two perspectives in this story. And first we meet Citra Terranova. I was wondering what you thought of her as we got to know her. So I wrote, she was a smart cookie. <laughs> um, she's like a pretty good model of a, not necessarily a stereotypical moral person, but somebody that like tries to be good and maybe like, I don't know. She, I wrote that she was snarky in a good way and that it was like sort of strange that she was a bit of a loner like she didn't really have many friends and I don't know if that's like a by choice thing I never really got there I never got to figure out that bit I mean I liked her she was like I don't know I liked her humor and I liked that she was relatable in kind of a lonery way yeah I really loved that she was so strong like that yeah. that's what immediately drew me to her the fact that it was, it, was, it was interesting how we met them, where we meet both of them uh, through their experience meeting a site, uh, right. which happens to be Scythe Faraday in both situations. But, you know, the site knocks on her family door and immediately they're assuming that one of them is going to be gleaned or gleaned. 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 It's gleaned. been a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> one of them is going to be gleaned. And so the family is just wondering who that is, because obviously that's a traumatic person. In a world without death, the, the sites come around to offer real death, uh, basically, because they, that's how we control the population at this point. And for her to stand up to Faraday 
and like in this moment where they don't know who it's going to be and and she's like okay. almost in his face about it yeah. uh, and she's a teenager uh, and it's not just teenage angst she's just like I'm not gonna let you scare me kind of situation and well yeah while the sites are supposed to be like obviously heavily respected and, and feared in a way it, yeah. it, it, that was an interesting dynamic of this world she's like look I'm not disrespecting you but I'm also saying like fuck you kind of in a way yeah yeah <laughs> No, that's a good point. I really like that during that first meeting, she stood up to him, but she also like, like you say, she wasn't disrespectful. She was like doing it in a like legit way, a very adult manner. (laughs) And then after the whole circumstance and he was like, keep this and he throws it away. I'm like, yes, girl get it <laughs> yeah it tur- turns out that faraday was there to glean their neighbor but she wasn't home yet or they weren't home yet and so he decided to get a meal from, uh, from citrus family which is i mean terrible but also kind of funny in a way <laughs> i mean i i might do the same thing be like well i got time to kill <laughs> yeah right you know kind of screw with people a little bit yeah, yeah. go from there but yeah it was I felt immediately drawn to her. And I think that was kind of a reoccurring thing in this book where the characters were written so well. Yeah. You you were supposed to like, you didn't like who you were supposed to. And they weren't same tone. Uh, You know, you like different reasons and they all seemed like real people. So definitely that was what stood out to me the most. I mean, the world was super interesting. We'll get into that later, but it was the characters that kept drawing me back to this. For For sure. So her counterpoint was Rowan. And as our second perspective, we meet him rather quickly as well. I was wondering what your first impressions of him were. Oh, he was like, I'm definitely drawn to him. I think, I don't want to say a little bit more, but he has that like, like a valiant knight kind of morality that I think is very appealing. But he's also kind of a little bit of a loner as well. He has this like one friend who's like very much his opposite. (laughs) And our first introduction to him is also like when he's meeting Faraday for the first time and the circumstances under which that happens. Like he really steps up in a way that like, I mean, and obviously this is why Faraday's drawn to him too, in a way that most people wouldn't. And it's kind of for the greater good, but not really. I don't know. It was like a, an interesting choice. Yeah. And even the adults. Way less selfish than most people would act. Exactly. Way less selfish. And even the adults around him scurry away. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he like runs into Faraday on when he's late to school one day and Faraday asks him about, or he asks him to show him to the office or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then they find out that Faraday's there to glean Lena. the star football player, the head quarterback, head quarterback, I know sports. And <laughs> <laughs> Rowan's just kind of hanging around like, what's going on here? And then offers to sit in with the kid and, uh, you know, Faraday's like, he's not this- alone. Yeah, it's like, look, this isn't a sideshow. And he's like, I'm not here for the show. Like, I'm like, shouldn't somebody comfort him in his last moments? And so that was definitely another thing, again, just drawing you to him. I think Rowan did speak a little bit more to me, too, in the beginning, because we got more of his background right off the bat. Yeah. He was the outcast, not only at school, but also in his family. Like, yeah. I really loved the term lettuce kid, where... Uh- you know, that's what him and his buddy Tiger were. Were They were like, oh, we're kind of the, the lost in the bit of the sandwich. Like, nobody really cares about us. We're not the bread. We're not the meat. We're just kind of like... It's there, but it's not critical. Yeah. Uh, so we're the lettuce kids. I, I really liked that uh, little bit in there that, that played quite a bit. I also will say I had one of your moments where we were talking about it in... Oh, I think it was your grandmother asked me to tell you she's sorry, where you said he used demonstratively quite a few times and it really stood out to you. 
when Rowan first used the term heady, that was like a blinking light to me because that's like a, it's a very hockey or Canadian term. You know, it's a heady play. And for that to show up three times in the book, I was like, okay. Like, Good? Oh, I didn't even notice. See, isn't that interesting? Because I said the same that thing. That is those, interesting. Those, those things that just pick your, uh, you know, flash of light. You're like, oh my God, what was that? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, again, just this book does really well drawing you in right from the start. Like, here's your two characters. You know, they're going to be important, even if they don't know it. And, <laughs> and here's kind of their quick background two sides. We didn't get bogged down, which was super cool. No, and I also really liked how he managed to introduce us to the very critical Scythe character right out of the gate while kind of not focusing on him. Like, we got a lot of information about Scythe Faraday without... I mean, did we know that Rowan's was fair? Like, was that spoken? Okay. Uh, he did give him his name too. And that was, it was cool because it was, we've talked about this before too, where like, you can just give us all the background or yeah. like in California, you can have kind of one character explain it to the other. Or yeah. here you kind of have like Rowan and Citra talking about what sites do and all that and like all that. And then also Faraday's part of it. Like we're experiencing it in the world. Yes. And just getting thrown in our face. Yeah. Like, here's your background. Here's facts. Which, yeah. yes, here's facts. Here's more facts, uh, which can really bog you down. So, on that note, Scythe takes place in our world's distant future. What did you think of the setting Schusterman created, where accidental death no longer happened? And we can also get into the whole kind of idea of Scythe here as well. Yeah. I mean, I think a very interesting concept that all of the things that plague us as humans, let me rephrase that. All of the things that we as the human plague <laughs> are doing to the earth, the fact that we in this future have conquered death and are going to be here for so long is fucking terrifying. Like, yeah, sure. They kind of offhandedly mention some of the things that they have like to solve the problem of global warming or whatever, or they've solved the problem of there's not enough food to feed everyone. But, like, it sounds like a terrifying concept that humans won't die. And I'm not sure that I'm interested in that type of future. That said, he did a really good job painting the whole picture of the world. The one thing that I think bothered me about the way it was presented was so often there were things that would happen and then there would just be this little bit of like, oh, this is how we fix this. And it's like super simple. It's like an oversimplified way or like a very feisty and bow method of taking care of this, that, or the other thing that in your head as you're reading about this world that has no death, they're like, no, that's just, you know, a quick session at the, I don't know, resurrection center or whatever it was called. That just sometimes the way that it was so quickly, it just smacked of YA and like not needing to really second get like your your demographic isn't gonna be sitting there like nah bitch please yeah. it's it's interesting because I, I think we crave kind of the in-between this yeah. and the Hail Mary where like Hail Mary was like let us go into detail about everything we found I still love that book but this okay. is like no no we fixed that Hail Mary's like let me tell you every step we took to fix that we just want the we just want the middle which I think you're right being a YA you gotta have that movement otherwise you're gonna lose your audience so yeah. it is those things where they're just like no, 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 that's taken care of. This is fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. And that was an interesting thing to me because they even healed literal death. The only way you can't, you, they can't revive you or whatever they called it was if fire destroys. There's too much left. And Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But also like they talk about Tiger, his friend there who does splatting, which is basically these people that will jump off of buildings or high places and free fall because they enjoy the free fall. 
And then obviously when they hit, they die, they splat. They die. And then, you know, it takes a few days or a week or whatever. And then they wake up in a revival center. Like I did appreciate though, how, when they did that, they called them deadish. And I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a nice little time. But uh, my question is like, how is there enough there? If somebody jumps off a super tall building, like I've never seen that. I don't ever want to see it, but that just seemed no. like one of those questions where it was like, and why would you do like, I don't, I don't know. Jump with the Why would you? Well, and like, it makes sense that if there's like a, if death doesn't exist anymore, it totally makes sense from like a humans are terrible standpoint that like we would find something to like obsess over and to people are going to get addicted to things in perpetuity. <laughs> like that is a thing that humans do. But I just, if you have to glean to control the population, why is there not a situation similar to darwinism where if somebody keeps splatting or if they've reached you 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 max out your you have a certain number of reconstitutions or whatever it is available to you if you go over that you die forever i feel like that's more fair yeah and that that was one thing that he talks about kind of in your world and it kind of like as a ya cover-up where they're like oh well money is a thing but everyone's fine like everyone's yeah. saying people that have a ton more, like, no, that would never happen. Uh, no. And also, so when you die, there's different levels of reconstitution centers you can go to. So like you just make a really to- nice one. Yeah. If, if you've done it too many times. And I agree with you. If, if you're gleaning people on a daily basis, some Why of these don't you just get saying, rid of the people who keep splatting themselves. Look at me. So going back to what you were saying about how like humans survived the earth and like how that's kind of scary to you. I agree. Like, I feel like no matter what we did, earth would eventually just throw us off. Like they even talked about- the worst. Well, they even talked about how they tried to like populate Mars and the moon and how like that didn't work. So it's like, no, this is where we're stuck. And it's like, yeah, but like- uh, this is not the living forever is not the answer like that <laughs> yeah i struggled with that because i was like there's bigger fish to fry than solving the death issue like yeah there's that's terrifying and like not to mention the like turning the corner thing yes but it also makes sense for the inherently selfish behavior like some mm. person that's what they would do they would try to live for i mean people have the fountain of youth yes. on. like it's been yes. around forever the turning the corner thing you just brought up. So they like created this uh, whatever uh, process where you can decide, okay, I'm old enough. I want to start Maybe over they, again. They can like change your DNA to go back to when you were 25 and then you start over, which I thought was interesting with, first of all, like how they're like, oh, divorce. Like that was my first husband. That was my last life. Now I'm like in this life, I'm going to do things differently. Or it's like, oh, that's grandma. Grandma's like 10 years younger than her great grandmother. That confused me i was like we're getting in the weeds here like it was weird for it sure. was really weird and i feel like honestly if we're gonna have living forever be a thing i feel like you should also only have a maximum number of corners you can turn <laughs> four and corners maybe that's how you turn four, four corners that's it that's all you get and even then like once you took like you're saying once you turn the corner and you're like okay i'm gonna start a fresh family with this 20 year old because now i am also 20 it's like well what happens to the uh what <laughs> yeah I, the only thing i well one of the things i really appreciate that is you do keep your memories because i think that's a neat yeah. thing like you, it is like what some people dream of you learn from your mistakes so maybe yeah again. but again it's so low stakes here because death never really occurs unless you're gleaned it was just i don't know there's it was it was a very interesting thought process to sit and think about this world and kind of oh. like 
how I probably wouldn't want to live in it. <laughs> no, and also like how the unrealistic aspects of it, one of them being that the size are the only ones that get to basically murder people. We'll just call it what it is. No, humans would still do. It's not like Minority Report where people are like, oh, you're going to do something bad. We're going to get you before you do. Yeah, there's not that level of law enforcement, but they're like, what? I do not believe that humans would age out of being terrible to one another. Yeah, agreed. I think that was another thing. They're like, oh, well, we took away money. So like, everybody's fine. That's like the beginning. It's like, no, there's other reasons. And also, if you're alive forever, you're going to hold so many fucking grudges. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like, if death doesn't matter, like, you could just go around like, I mean, probably that's what happens is people like murder people all the time, but it doesn't matter because they don't really die. Well, and yeah, spoilers within spoilers. We do yeah. like some things about I that. I was about to say something. And then nice. I was like, <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so moving off from the world into scythe uh, and scythedom, I, I did find that interesting where supposedly the first rule to be a scythe is you don't want to be a scythe. But obviously absolute power corrupts absolutely. And these guys like, so this world, we didn't touch on this, is run by an AI, which they call the oh, Thunderhead. Oh, yeah. There's and the that. Thunderhead has control over everything. And there's like a belief. It's almost like a god, too, where it's like, if you need it, the Thunderhead will deliver. And if the Thunderhead didn't deliver, you didn't need it. But significantly, when the Scythes started and they had their 10 laws of being a Scythe, it was also like, oh, the Thunderhead has no control over us. We are completely separate because we have to do things. We have to do the gleaning and like we need to be no. outside of it no check and or balance on that power and that's terrifying also i don't believe for a minute that like there aren't some humans somewhere that are like fuck the thunderhead i'm doing me also is this only in the u.s is this the whole world i believe it's the whole world uh but yeah we did only get mid america america yeah which also because they talked about other sides like in other parts of the world yes we did get to south (laughs) mid-america whatever they were calling (laughs) south america at this point in the book i think amazonia is what they changed yeah 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 so we did see other yeah so the thunderhead all this is is it's global there's Uh, definitely people out there that are like no kind of isn't that like the tonus right yeah where they're they're kind of doing their own thing i I mean they are but i still thought that they were like under the purview of the thunderhead i thought that that was like still they like lived within the whatever they were just like we do we believe in something else yeah so like a correlation because i've been reading way too much of the wheel of time the tonus to me reminded me of the um the the travelers the traveling folk oh sure looking for the you know have you heard the the song song, yeah the tonus are looking for one tone you know totally oh my god it's the traveling folk i'm reading the same book it's all one book uh but yeah it's one book so Scythum is inherently flawed from the start. Oh, and 100%. As we see more of it, it's just more and more uh, typical political structure, typical glad handing and lobbyists. And it was like really annoying to see that reflection of real life. Yeah, way too yeah. long. <laughs> They're just going to do whatever they want uh, and yep. justify it however they want. And it was mm-hmm. very, uh, I just, it graded It was me. painful. It graded yeah. Uh, it's like one of, I forget, we had this in another book where it's like, even in the distant future, we still have the same problems. And I get that it's writers from today writing it, but it does also make sense. Like humans cannot be cured, which is why they shouldn't live forever. And the earth should just throw us off. Yes. Well, and that's what I like. There's the juxtaposition in this future of like all of these things that humans have done to improve their situation. And yet <laughs> all the things like 
I can't believe crime doesn't exist, but also like you've still got this like political fucking thing of the side of them, which I will call it political. Screwing shit up from within. The call is coming from inside the house. And and people just accept it because they're they're the sites. And like the fact that they're seen as rock stars and all that too. That yeah, that's weird. Understandable, but also gross. Uh it's interesting. Like it there's like collectible cards. They're not baseball players. Well, that was the interesting thing, because like that made me think of sports and how like sports has grown so much in the last 30 years. It's like they see how much more they get paid. Like it's no longer they have summer jobs. Like they have become rock stars. And like it's just it would make sense. You would need something. If if this was happening, people would be flocked to them. And like you have the greatest hit channels of their oh my god of their gleanings. And like that reminded me of so uh, Hunter, where they had like the Hunter's individual channels, yeah. and then you could root for your Hunter to like whatever. I mean, at least there they were killing monsters and not people for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it's pretty Hunger Gamesy too. Like, yeah, there's a lot to it. Again, like. For a YA, if you if you think about it, there's a lot in this book that's kind of like thought provoking. Yeah, good and bad. Um, yeah, he other- definitely like I like the way he writes, and it is clearly a YA. But like you say, there's kind of like more. It's like layers. It's like a pastry where underneath there's some adult stuff. Yeah, if you dig into it, there's there's a lot more kind of things that you can just. Be like, yeah, okay, this is Ooh. obviously a lot was put into this. A lot of thought. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up about the size is the idea of immunity. So they have their ring that you can kiss. And if you kiss the ring, you get a year's worth of immunity, where if a scythe tries to glean you, their ring glows red and you can't kill them. They grant immunity at random. After the great dinner that Faraday had at Citrus family's house, he gives immunity to her mom uh, for, for making him a nice meal. And we also see it where after they glean somebody, they have to then find their closest family and give them all immunity so you're not purging a family all at once so i did i thought that was an interesting touch and then also just another way where you could see the difference in the sites because that was my favorite part was seeing yeah how how different like how they took their job how they acted Mm -hmm. how they granted immunity like how they felt about the people uh i i I would have been very interested in just more of that meeting size and seeing their thought process. I also thought it was interesting that the sides have part of their laws or whatever, or they've got this like quota that they need to fulfill. And like, like you say, it's so interesting how different each of the sides treat the situation and reaching their quota and whatever else. And like, it's just, it, it totally makes sense that the first rule is that they don't want to be that. Because I think that that, not that everybody is really like, <laughs> oh, it's not. but I, I don't know. I think that the concept of immunity was a necessary foil <laughs> to the rest of it. Because like you say, if you've got like, if you glean one person from one family and then you're like, oh, this other side came and killed this other. And now this family is gone forever. But I would argue like where, do, well, not argue, but like, what's the rule about like how how immediate is the family because if somebody's turned the corner like three times their immediate family could be massive it kind of sounded like it was household at that point okay so who's living with them yeah because like the with with taking on the apprenticeship their like family gets granted immunity and if you're a site your family is given immunity i just assumed it was like immediate like i don't even know if it goes to grandparents like i felt like it was probably like direct siblings and okay 
Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like the person living with you because I do remember one where somebody was gleaned and then they had to like go find their like estranged sibling. Yeah. The estranged brother. You're right. Yeah. And then the other side of that too is how they use the family against you. Whereas if yeah. you assault a site or if you run, you know, run away from a gleaning, they then glean your entire family. Uh, it's like you have to be brave in that moment. Otherwise, you're fucking everybody that you fucking love. Fucking everybody up. Uh, which makes sense because otherwise, why? There has to be repercussions. Otherwise, why yeah. are you like, yes, clean me. Thank you. <laughs> Take me. Which I found interesting because, like, everybody's all like celebritizing that's not a word <laughs> the size and like collecting their cards and like treating them like royalty when they see the you know like standing around waiting for pictures and taking selfies and stuff and it's like okay so you're excited to meet them in these circumstances but if they were to like roll up to your workplace and say we're taking somebody you'd be less excited like I don't know it's strange to to have both of those feelings to be like i want to be gleaned <laughs> right. i'm so excited to see you like oh. yeah yeah 100 so uh moving on we then have kind of our first secondary character as we've touched on is scythe faraday and rowan and citra are made his apprentices which is unprecedented to have two apprentices to one site i was wondering what you thought of faraday with his training style and the way he went about gleaning I love Faraday. <laughs> like, he's fantastic. He was like a really, really great role model to have. Like we were talking about before when we first meet Citra and Rowan and we're first meeting Faraday too, you kind of get a feel for his his respect for the job and for the people that he's gleaning, but also like just his interactions with everyone were very, if I was going to get gleaned, I'd want it to be by Faraday. <laughs> I yeah. guess I'd put it that way. Yeah, I I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't I, want to be gleaned, but I feel like he, he does it in such a way that is, it's like, <laughs> it's like a good vet who is putting down an animal and isn't very excited isn't excited about it knows what it means for for that for the animal for the you know what i mean yeah. it's like i don't know he it, i loved him it isn't <laughs> because he allows them to like write a letter to them yeah. like you can't call anyone you can't do anything like that but if you want to write a letter i'll deliver it uh, so he gives them that closure uh i was thinking for me personally it might be better to get gleaned by say curry i thought you were gonna say that <laughs> because it's just instantaneous now you don't get to have that moment where you leave something behind for the ones you love but also you don't know it's coming whereas with faraday there's like that built up five or ten minutes where you're like okay it's definitely it's, yeah it's happening okay it's definitely happening okay yeah uh which would be interesting to see how you handle i guess i i think like if if i lived in this world and i'd you know gotten to the ripe old age of like 150 mm. maybe turned the corner one or two times i think i'd want the chance to like have some closure. I think that's I would fair. want that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I can see that. The thing that really stuck out to me about him was how not only does he stick to the rules. I mean, the rules are meant for bending. They all say that. And, but his bends are very limited. Uh, yeah. The fact that his ideas for gleaning come from statistics. Yeah. Like, okay. It's like the one, that we see, the one that we see with Rowan, with the, the star football player. You know, yeah. he's like, look, like, Three percent back in the I forget what they called the pre immunity pre mortem mortality no. Mort yeah, yeah something like that. whatever back in the days where we could die he's like you know point whatever five percent of high school students would have a drunken driving accident or something like that and he's like the star football player 
drinks excessively and recently bought a very fancy car. So like he fits that profile. So I'm gleaning you to kind of keep with what the statistics used to say. Yeah. That part really interested me that somebody would take that much care. And I think that's also kind of what you're saying where it's like, we see it with the boys like, fuck, I shouldn't have bought that car. Like I made the wrong choices, blah, blah, blah. But like with Faraday, he's, he's very much like, look, I'm not doing this at random, at least this, you fit a profile and, and this is how it works. It's not just you woke up and I saw you and I decided to kill you today. So right, right. his approach and how much effort he put into it, because that made it seem as important as it should be instead of just yeah. being random. Well, and I, I mean, like the very logical brain of mine appreciates that he, he did it based on pre-immortality days um because i think that that's like the whole point of the size is to keep the population down and this was like one of the ways that darwin not even that because like i mean i guess this this guy would have definitely been in that category but like to have it as you say not necessarily just be random makes it feel more reasonable no i don't know it just feels like less of a of a painful thing, I guess. Well, I think you want to know that they care again, like yeah. whether they care about you or they care about the job, like at least right. it's not like, well, I've got a quota to fill. So right. here you go. I will say the one thing about Faraday uh, that I thought was an incredible stretch is he has been alive for like 180 years doing hundreds of gleanings a year. And he's like, well, I've never gleaned the same way twice. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You had to have, bud. Come on. Well, yeah. I never used the same weapons. It's like, okay, come on, Faraday. Like, you're cool. No you don't way. Cool. Like, it's okay if you duplicate. <laughs> He's like, it was the same weapon, but I used it underhand instead of overhand. I did my opposite hand or yeah. uh, was throwing it this time. Good point. Good point. That, I think that's that was... another one of those things where it's like, on the surface, because it's a YA, it's acceptable. But if somebody were to like, pick it apart a little bit more he'd be like i don't know yeah it's if somebody told you that you'd be like that's a stick out for sure yeah so uh before we get to spoilers we can talk about more of the book we ever get to knowing podcaster question and this seemed pretty on the nose for this story we'll see where it goes uh if you were a murderer no uh so <laughs> we see both rowan and citra struggle with the idea of becoming a scythe but in the end both decide to go through with the apprenticeship if you were faced with the decision and all that came with it, how would you reason whether or not to become a site? So I think a lot of it would depend on who my mentor was. Like if my mentor was Faraday and I was learning from him about how he makes his decisions, I think I would have an easier time of it in that it's like, okay, well, I don't necessarily want to kill anybody. And I think Ron and Citra, like when we see them, struggle with that it was very real and like very well done in terms of their their struggles seemed very realistic like I I don't want to see this person die I mean like it totally makes sense but to have that logical method of finding the person to glean under your belt in terms or like that's a I don't want to say absolve yourself because that's not quite right but to have the reasoning be pretty sound that it wasn't just like I see somebody walking down the street and I know I have to kill somebody and it's going to be that person. Like, yeah, it kind of makes it more difficult. Like Rowan was saying when he did the research, he's like, this guy, like I'm learning all about this person yeah, and I don't really want to kill them. And that makes it kind of harder because then you're like finding out, all, you know, it, I don't know. I think if I had him as my mentor, 
I could probably get there. Yeah, I think for me, I struggle like just in our world thinking about politics. There's a constant part of me that's like, should I get into politics? Like, I don't know anything about politics, but it's like, I've got to be better than what we have, right? <laughs> and that's kind of how I see this. Like, if that, I was approached with this decision, it's like, would you rather go to somebody else? Like, Who's going to do a poor job of it? Right. Or is going to be like Goddard, who will get into yeah. spoilers. Like, it's, it's that power that, again, it could corrupt you eventually. But like you're saying, I think if you had a site like Faraday showing you the ropes, like, I think you have more hope to be better at it. And again, mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't want that just to fall to anybody. And yeah. yes, there, there's that golden tip golden ticket aspect where you're not allowed to have a family of your own if you're a psych you're not allowed to have children or anything like that but your whatever your immediate family is protected like there's some of that i know you being an only child you can still care care for your parents shout out james and cynthia <laughs> for me there would be a part of that like protecting my brother and like i don't know if it extends to my nieces or anything like that but like that would be an interesting obviously I wouldn't be married in this world so who cares about her family (laughs) (laughs) but it is part of that that it's like well you know I I think that was a big part for Citra was the fact that she knew she would be protecting her Her younger brother brother. Ben that's actually I don't want to interrupt you but that's something that I found was interesting like about the difference between Citra and Rowan like Citra had this younger brother that she cared about I mean like yeah in the moment she's probably he's so annoying but she really loves him and like really cared about him meanwhile Rowan has this huge family and he's the lettuce kid so nobody really cares about him and like I feel as though that draw is more important for Citra than for Rowan and it's like I mean, me as an only child, like, yeah, I'd want to protect my parents, but I wouldn't have that additional, like, oh, look at all the people I can save. Right. Like for Rowan too, I think it was bigger just having a purpose. Like that'd be something too. Like if you're living for centuries, what's your purpose? What's the point of, like, that would be the thing I struggle with the most. If life was infinite, what are we doing? Like, well, yeah. And like, what's your, what's your career? I don't know. Do you have like 14 careers over your really, really long life? Are you going to do something like really spectacular, spectacular? Are you just going to like coast? Because, like, if money doesn't matter, then your life, I don't want to say your life doesn't matter, but you know what I mean? Like, what are you striving for if you're in this weird lettuce zone? And I think that's what drew Rowan to it. It's it's his chance to be something more than the lettuce kid. So I I get that. I get both sides. I can also see, like, I don't know how I would kill somebody. I don't have that in me either. Uh, Like, I would probably be a big poison scythe. Like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> sorry why are you why are you sweating i'm so sorry drink this thing and you <laughs> won't feel anything and it'll be fine better drink that drink it all <laughs> be a let's lot. have a cup of tea yeah mm, don't worry about the robes they're totally fake uh yeah so it's it's an interesting again just another thought process that uh we're not murderers so that'll be the next shirt not murderers not, yeah. all, not murderers yeah. hopefully not sites anyway so, <laughs> On that note, uh, we're going to move into spoilers so we can talk about the rest of this book. Like, we've touched the first maybe 90 pages. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There's quite a lot to cover. So spoilers are a bit long, but let's get to them. So, first your song. This is the part that we're going into spoilers. If you don't know the book, get out. Because this is the part that we're going into spoilers. It's time to learn what this setthem's all about in spoilers. So, Spoilers. At the first of three yearly conclaves for the Scythedom, it is agreed that since Faraday was unorthodox in his selection of two apprentices at once, that whichever apprentice is raised to being a Scythe will then immediately glean the one who does not pass. 
This puts Citra and Rowan into a frenzy, but Faraday tells them to remain calm as a lot can change in the eight months they have left of training. That change comes when Citra and Rowan are awoken one night and told that Faraday had self-gleaned himself by jumping in front of a train. Normally, the apprentice would be released, but the high blade Xenocrates tells them that other sites have stepped up to take them on, and so their training will continue, and the stipulation of one of their deaths will remain in place. Rowan is sent to Scythe Goddard, who is a New Age site that enacts mass gleanings, where he and his team of three other sites glean hundreds of people at one time, meeting their quarterly quota in a matter of hours. Rowan is beaten as Goddard attempts to break him and turn him into a killing machine and nothing else. Unlike Faraday, who stuck to the minimalist life that Scythes were supposed to live, Goddard lived like a rock star in lavish mansions with parties happening almost nonstop. Rowan tries to stay true to the ways Faraday taught him, but can feel himself being drawn to Goddard by his charisma and praise. Citra is placed with Scythe Curry, who is known as the Great Dame of Death and is an old-school thinker like Faraday. Here, Citra learns more about the compassion to deal with grieving loved ones after the gleaning. While Scythe Curry is more random in her approach and quick with her gleans, she then invites the families to her home to have dinner and talk about the person she gleaned. During her time with Scythe Curry, Citra learns a lot, but also decides to investigate Faraday's self-gleaning as she believes he was killed. At the second conclave, the two are pitted against each other once more in hand-to-hand -hand combat, which ends when Rowan breaks Citra's spine and makes her deadish, so she will be revived in a few days. He does this to disqualify himself from the test and in hopes that it will make Citra hate him and allow her to glean him once she becomes a scythe. Rowan is trying to walk the fine line of throwing the competition while not making it look like he is. At the party afterwards, Rowan is surprised when the high blade arrives and almost drowns in the pool. He slowly puts the puzzle together and realizes that the young girl scythe Goddard has had living with them is the high blade's illegitimate daughter, which violates one of the 10 rules for Scythes. Goddard somehow discovered the girl and is using her potential death as leverage against the Highblade to get what he wants. In the brief conversation they have, we learn that the Highblade has plans to remove Citra from the competition, clearing the way for Goddard and Rowan. A few days after this, Citra is captured by the Blade Guard and brought to the Highblade with accusations that she was the one who killed Faraday and they have evidence to prove it. Faced with signing a false confession, Citra jumps off the top of the building to her death, knowing that she yes. will be revived and has nice, knowing that she will be revived and has bought herself some time. When the High Blade attempts to take over the revival, he is stopped by Nimbus agents who work for the Thunderhead, an all-knowing AI who controls the world for humans since they became immortal. Normally, the Thunderhead cannot interfere with Scythe business, but because Citra is dead. They claim she is not Scythe property until she is revived. While being revived, Citra has a conversation with the Thunderhead, and although it won't interfere with Scythe business, it allows itself a loophole and reveals to Citra the person who killed Scythe Faraday's name is Gerald Vandergans. When Citra comes to, Scythe Curie is with her and explains she needs to run and hide while Curie works to clear her name. She gives her a name and address to go to, and Citra is surprised to learn she is headed straight for Vandergans. She is able to make her escape and avoid detection from the sites hunting her when she comes to a lonely beach house belonging to Vandergans. She waits for him to exit, and when he does, shoots him in the knee, knowing that she needs his confession to prove her innocence. She is shocked when she comes up to the man and finds him to be Scythe Faraday. Citra will remain with him for months finishing her training while Scythe Curie clears her name without revealing that Faraday faked his own self-gleaning in order to release Rowan and Citra from apprenticeship, 
so they wouldn't have to kill each other. He also saw it as the first time a scythe had managed to retire. During this time, Rowan has been transformed into a killing machine and continues to struggle against the pull of Scythe Goddard and what he wants him to become. He is surprised to discover that one of Goddard's crew, Scythe Volta, thinks similarly to Faraday and sobs uncontrollably after their gleanings. With the last conclave and New Year only days away, Goddard tells his crew that they have one more mass gleaning to do even though they have already met their quota. The group is brought to a religious complex of the cult group called the Tonists, who are peaceful but don't believe in the Scythedom. Goddard sets his team loose to glean and leaves Rowan at the front gate to stop anyone from escaping. After some time passes, Rowan leaves the gate when he sees multiple people turn away and flee back into the carnage when they see him blocking the only exit. As he makes his way through the maze of the complex, he finds Scythe Volta, who tells him that he gleaned a classroom of children and is crying over what he has done. As they talk, Rowan realizes that Volta is bleeding and learns that he decided to self-glean himself rather than live with what he has done. Rowan is infuriated and hunts down Goddard. He finds him in the chapel with the head of the group and is holding him for Rowan to kill. After a brief conversation, Rowan lunges forward and surprises Goddard by killing him instead of the cult leader. Rowan then dispatches of the other two sites in Goddard's crew and burns the complex down. On his way out, he stops the firefighters from approaching the flames so that there will be nothing left of the sites to revive. The Highblade comes to see Rowan afterwards and insinuates that not all believe his story that the sites were trapped when the fire broke out and consumed them. Rowan reveals he knows the truth about the Highblade's daughter and the two agree to keep each other's secret. The next day sees the final trial which we learn for the apprentices is to glean a loved one. Rowan shows no remorse in gleaning his mother. She will quickly be revived and never cared for him. Citra struggles with gleaning her younger brother Ben and has an emotional time with it until finally going through with it. He will be brought back, but they both will live on knowing that at one point she killed him. At the conclave, Rowan and Citra avoid each other until they are called onto stage and it is revealed that Citra will be raised to being a scythe. Now she must glean Rowan to seal the deal. She puts on her scythe ring and takes up a knife, but instead of stabbing Rowan, she punches him in the face, drawing blood. As she then goes to stab him, she is stopped by sights around her as their rings show red, meaning the person about to be gleaned has immunity for one year. Citra was not sure it would work as usually people kiss the scythe ring to put their DNA in the database, but thought Rowan's blood would do the trick. In the confusion that follows, she whispers to him that there is a tray of blades nearby and a car waiting for him outside if he'd like to make an escape before they imprison him. Rowan easily makes it out and jumps into the car to find Faraday ready to drive the getaway. The book ends as we learn of a new hunter on the loose a few months later, and although he is not a true Scythe, he is being called Scythe Lucifer and is said to be hunting Scythes who abuse their powers or that glean inappropriately. Boom. After Faraday's death, we get to see two sides of Scythedom with the new age and old age and how Citra and Rowan's apprenticeships go. What did you make of Scythe Curie and Scythe Goddard's training and beliefs? Similar to Faraday, I loved Scythe Curie. She was great. I thought that I appreciated that she had this like hard exterior kind of popularity. What did they call her? The Madam of Death or something Great like that? Great Dame of Death. Great Dame of Death. And I like that she kind of disagreed with it, but rolled with it because it worked to her favor in most cases. I liked the way that she chose to glean or like the method of her choosing made some sense to me. And I think that it was neat when she discussed with Citra like how she got to that point like she used to do it differently and then yeah I think that her method of training was very beneficial for Citra especially because it had a lot of similarities with Faraday which makes sense (laughs) because Faraday was 
Carrie's mentor slash lover slash all the things. Um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, Goddard scenario. So before you get into him, I do want to touch on Curry too. And like, oh, yeah. idea, she starts out how I think we would start out. It's like, we're going to yeah. change the world one gleaning at a time. We're only going to yeah. glean bad people. She earns the name, the great game of death because she gleans the president and their entire cabinet at one point because she does it. She thinks that will help move the world in the proper direction. Right. And then we see that she's been kind of beaten down by the system and a hundred and something years of, of doing this. And yeah. while she still sticks to the rules, she no longer believes that she can like change the world by what she's doing. But I did appreciate kind of what you were touching on. And as you were talking about earlier, she, she looks for people that are kind of like have given up done. that are done. done. Yeah. They probably turn the corner a couple of times. You, she's like, look for the slouch in their shoulders. Look how their eyes don't really have that fire. It looks like they're just kind of going about their paces because they don't have another option. Yeah. That, those are the kind of people that should be clean. They're, they're ready right. to go. Yeah. So I did appreciate that. And then as you were saying, like it does, it really focused on the sympathy the afterwards, the empathy as well, totally. where she would bring the family in. And then you have that moment uh, after she cooks them all dinner, they have dessert, they talk about the loved one, uh, you know, and, and she learns about them. And then she offers them a knife and says, go ahead and go ahead and kill me. And they're like, we can't assault a psych. And she's like, no, no, I'm saying it's fine. You know, if, if you have any anger towards me, go ahead and kill me. I'll be revived in a couple of days. And my apprentice here will say, this was, this was how it was, you know, it was fine. It yeah. was illegal. Yeah. And nobody does it that we know of, but that was just such a, she seemed like such a complete person, like had really understood the magnitude of what she was doing still. And and again, even though it was random where she would just come up to them, grab a shoulder, quick kill, it was still well thought out. And she definitely- like Compassionate her, about it. Yes. Like where Faraday put all his time in before, she kind yes. of put her time after. Well, and like to that end, I think the effort she put in in the aftermath with the family was so impactful because like- Yes, it was a surprise, the actual, like, gleaning aspect. Like, nobody saw it coming. Well, nobody does. But, like, it was a scenario where the death itself was quick and potentially tragic, whatever. And the family might have difficulty coming to grips with it. But then they sit down for a meal and they get to talk about their loved one. And, like, Carrie has emotion. She's, like, getting involved in, in their reminiscing or whatever. Yeah. And, like, at the end of it all, I feel like they've got closure that is more than just getting immunity with another like if faraday's situation like yeah maybe the maybe the person he was gleaning wrote a letter and he allowed for that closure like she's just getting closure in a different manner yeah and i, I thought that was really powerful um and you touched on how she was faraday's apprentice over a century ago and they had a torrid love affair mm -hmm. and it did bring up another interesting thing about the about the scythe because one of the rule one of the laws is you're not allowed to mm -hmm. glean another scythe and so when they are punished, you're also not allowed to love another site. So when they're punished for that, they, I think they were given seven deaths or something like that. One for every year that they were together. They were together. And basically they're killed anyway, the, the site wants to, and then they're revived and then they're killed again. And then they were also, I forget, they were like not allowed to see each other for like 50 years or something. Something yeah. they, they were like separated, whatever. It's, yeah. it's another like there's a time base you can't put a scythe in prison you need them to work right. but it is like a time-based kind of punishment but also like hey we're gonna kill you a bunch it's gonna be really horrible and painful but then it's all over all water under the bridge so i did I, it was an interesting way to to keep them in line uh yeah. although i don't think it necessarily worked for all of yeah. them and speaking of which now we can get into goddard what you thought oh my god he 
is a fucking monster. I did think that it was interesting and appropriate because this is often the case with monsters is they're so charismatic that they get people to do the things that they want them to do. And I I very much think that it was the, I think Rowan was the right apprentice for Goddard in that he, I think, has the strength. I mean, not that Citra isn't strong, but I think that Rowan had the strength and conviction to fight it internally, but look like he was taking, I mean, he did take in the lessons. He did become a killing machine and he did struggle with like, keeping true to himself as as a person and i think citra wouldn't have had the ability to do the same thing that rowan did um i think she would have actually turned well or she wouldn't have survived or she wouldn't or she would have yeah she would have been like so anti that that she would have gotten herself killed right that was an interesting thing for me that rowan was walking that line and there's quite a few times i'm like rowan stop like it's it felt like he was going too far over that line yeah and, it, and yeah. I was like, no, like, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, yeah. Don't do that. It was a lot of that where I was like, stop. Like, it was very believable. Again, just yeah. like you were saying, monsters are charismatic and everybody was drawn to Goddard. But like, just even just yeah. the fact that the sites get to choose their robes, they all wear the same robe, but they get to choose their color, decoration, whatever. And the fact that Goddard's is like decorated with dumb. Body as fuck. Yes. Yeah body as fuck and how he lives and it's so opulent and just disgusting that you're like Rowan why would you be drawn to that like don't forget what Faraday told you and you see he's like I remember Faraday but also this is pretty cool life too like this is way better than eating like beans or whatever we were like we're living in a mansion having parties 24 7. Well and that's the thing like for for the point we were making before about how Rowan is the lettuce kid and like really aside from being a scythe doesn't have much in life to look forward to faraday and most of the other size live very modestly and like don't necessarily draw attention to themselves and blah blah blah. and so i think like that's that was his expectation and yes he's doing something grand and important and whatever but the way that goddard is showing him how the other half lives so to speak he's getting this taste of something like being not necessarily popular because i don't think that that was ever in his sights but like having people care about not care about him is right either because none of them actually do but just like that you you get what i'm saying that level of me instead of the lettuce like he was the main attraction yeah yeah um even if you're a plant-based protein <laughs> and he felt uncomfortable by it, but also at times he was like, "Oh no, I can, I can see why." Like the, he definitely struggled. It's hard with not to be, yeah. And I think that was a big part with Volta and his character is that it showed or it gave Rowan something to look up to, like a model. Yeah, it, a friend, also like a compatriot, where it was like, "Look, we disagree." You thought with... Volta was one of the four, and, yeah. and he wasn't. Like he did it because he felt like he had to to survive, but yeah. He, you know, he was raised by a, a, a site that was similar to Faraday, like an old school yeah. one, and yeah. just kind of got in with Goddard. And he's like, yeah, it's good to be in with him, but also I don't agree with almost everything he does. So it was good for him to have that kind of friend that he could lean on and, and remember while he was going through all this stuff, like there is another way. And it's also important to have somebody or like Volta and also then Rowan sort of like fighting the machine from within or like putting sticks in the wheels of the bike every now and then to kind of tamper or temper the 
the terribleness that is Goddard and all of his minions. Yeah, and Rowan managed to do that by, like you said in spoilers, like leaving the front gate, leaving an exit, mm-hmm. trying to get, like when they did the other build, office building, like finding- like telling people to leave. Yeah. Which staircase they could actually get out and like yeah. survive. I did think it was interesting with Volta and like, I guess it gave us that moment where he self-gleans himself, which we didn't touch on. But the only way for a Scythe to die is to self-glean. They can do that at any point. Basically, that's how they, they get out. If he ran into a, a, school, uh, a classroom full of kids, I feel like it would have made more sense for him to, like, let them go. Right? Yeah. Like, Goddard saw it and killed him. Like, <laughs> I don't see him gleaning them with how compassionate he is and then immediately self-gleaning. Like, I get that it worked for our story and it gave that spark to Rowan and... Before that, he was kind of thinking like, oh, once I pass this, me and Volta can like rise up from inside and like take over and get rid of Goddard. Whereas that pushed the moment forward. But like, I just felt like that didn't, that was one character trip up, you know, where I was like, that didn't no, really work for me. I, I agree. But at the same time, I also feel like Volta was in this position of kind of getting complacent in that he maybe felt like he didn't have as much power as... I feel like when Rowan discovered that Volta was of like mind, he was like, this is great. We can join forces and become this like more powerful force to deviate w- from within. But for Volta, I feel like he maybe was at this point where he was like resigned to becoming the yeah. bad Goddard-like thing. That it's like, I could reasonably conceive that he would roll up into this room full of children be so caught up in the moment of like i am doing this because we're here and this is like the goddard approved thing and then doing it kind of like in a fever dream and then being like oh fuck what have i done well you even even said he's like i thought it would be empty like that's just him after the fact like reasoning like maybe he was kind of in the fever dream like you're saying and then he's like no no like I, i didn't mean it i didn't mean like anything's possible we didn't really get more than a few sentences sentences yeah. from him so definitely both, a little bit of a bow like you're yeah. saying to move uh, it, it was that thing that needed to push rowan forward to to move the story forward yeah. another thing that stood out obviously the difference there was goddard like didn't even want to give the people they mask leaned their family's <laughs> immunity now obviously when you're killing hundreds a day instead of one it makes it a lot more difficult and that kind of fell to volta i think was another reason he was so disenchanted with it he was the one who had to try to find all these people because right. they didn't give a shit. And then how Goddard couldn't even be bothered to let them kiss the ring. Like he would just, he gave it to, to Rowan. Yeah, like, all the other apprentices were like, that's so cool. And instead it was like, no, it's because this guy's a super douchebag. Yeah. Be bothered. And very stereotypical of like the, the evil guy to have people, the onlookers who don't really recognize what's going on think that he's like, the most amazing thing yeah. i think that that's just so i mean he, the writing and the characters and everything were really quality like you said we it it was done so perfectly so that we liked the people we were supposed to like and we hated the people we were supposed to hate yeah uh, my my note on goddard was such a great villain believable and so douchey even down to his robes so oh yeah very yeah. well done and like immediately you knew oh yeah that's the guy we're gonna hate Mm-hmm. So we did have the two big twists for our main characters, one each. We had Citra going on the run and then finding Gerald and, and that whole situation with Faraday and that twist and then Rowan killing Goddard and his crew. I was wondering which one you thought was more believable, if there was one that you were like, okay, that works better or if they both worked for you. So I think that Citra on the run was like kind of a, I don't know, sort of like a fun distraction, like it was entertaining. And I think that as soon as... 
she found the name as the thunder had gave her the name i was like that's faraday he's alive like i it like felt like a visceral okay this is gonna be what happens he's gonna she's gonna end up finding him i didn't necessarily think she was gonna shoot him in the knee so that kind of sucked but yeah i mean i guess it was believable in that it was expected it was something different and like you were saying like it kind of mixed it up and i think it also worked to give us more of the world we learned about yeah Sonia or whatever they called it and how they kind of don't get along with the sites from the other right. part of the world because right. they they don't believe in them there like they have their own internal struggles right. uh, so it was good to see like even though there's your sites um your region and then they have the high blade over them but then there's like the global high blade or whatever but like mm-hmm. shockingly governments they don't really work well together what? so that that was a nice touch in there and we got to see kind of how you would get around in the world without popping up on radars and all that yeah. it was like, it was fun, I guess, like you said. But yeah, as soon as we learned the name, I was like, Faraday's live. Also, the fact that, like, Faraday self-gleaned, like, at first I was like, obviously he was killed. And then as, like, the investigation is going on, and it's, like, not pointing that way, I was like, oh, he's obviously still... Like, as soon as we learned about the apprentices, like, they should yeah. have at least... Obviously, Faraday's the kind of guy that would do that. Yep. So it, it did make sense that he was alive. I still loved it because I really loved Faraday. And Me when too. He, it was like such a sudden thing. Like he went out, they knocked on the door, he was dead. I was like, Wait, yeah, what? <laughs> I did at first. I was like, oh, Goddard, Goddard had him killed. Yeah. And then like once they started investigating, I was like, no, he's definitely alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you said, and kind of gave us. I don't know, just something else. It wasn't just because before that it was very regimented, like Citra. Oh, we're doing it the right way. We're learning empathy. We're doing all this stuff. Rowan, mass killings, partying. Citra. Oh, more grieving, more cooking, poisons. Mass killing, mass killing. I'm a murder machine. So it was good to have that breakup. A little change of pace. Well, I did think that Rowan's, for me at least, was a little bit more believable in how it all happened. Again, kind of sidestepping what I thought about Volta. It makes sense that he would eventually break. And, like, he had learned enough, like, I think Goddard's a little dumb to not think that he might attack him in that he's scenario. Yeah. But again, yeah, it makes sense with, like, he believes he's untouchable. He definitely mm-hmm. sees himself as a god, which the sites aren't supposed to. No, and, like, all of the other sides that, like, the junior sides that he has, like, working under him or whatever are so obsequious. I don't think he has it in his head that somebody would, like, talk back or or go against what he asks them to do yeah and it, it, again he's got yes men all around him even with, yeah i forget the other two's name but they're just so into it and everything like and he sees i mean with the training he sees how well he has made this kid into a killing machine how far he's come so it does make sense that he would believe that he was just going to do what he was told but yeah no that was it was an awesome moment it was it was very satisfying and to be honest i was like this could have gone the other way very easily like it was a moment like Obviously, he had that, like, the thing that just happened with Volta, and he's all pissed that, like, that's what it came to. And I, I do feel like it was very, I don't know, it was it was just very satisfying, as you said. Like, Goddard deserved to be slaughtered. Yes. And, and kind of knowing that this was a series going into it, this was definitely where it could have went one way or the other. Yeah, like, where you're like, okay, now we have a new antagonist. Right. It's like either Rowan yeah. becomes our ally or Rowan becomes even worse than Goddard. And that's yeah. what we're moving towards from here on out. So to me, I think I like that they both happened. They both gave us different things. But as you're just saying, the last note here I had was it worked for the story, but it was bows on bows on bows on bows. Like it was just very yeah. this is how it's gonna work out and this is how we're gonna like move our for our story forward in the way I want. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I think that from a story moving forward standpoint, totally makes sense to do it that way. But it also like gives the reader kind of what they what they needed. You know, like I would I wanted Goddard to die a horrible death. And I was like, I actually found it a little surprising that Rowan had it in him. Not that he didn't have the skills, but that he had the like gumption to be like, no, I'm gonna this guy is so big. He's you're like taking down a figurehead. Yeah. And he was just like, no, I'm doing it. I am a machine. And I'm smart enough, you know, to know like, okay, burn everything down, keep everything <laughs> away and then make up some kind of believable story and we'll go from there. Yeah. I, I, again, bows on bows on bows. But it was yeah. one of those moments in movies where like the bad guy finally gets their comeuppance. You're like, yes! Like it was. Yeah. It was awesome. For so, sure. On that note, I want to get into the ending. What did you think of our ending? What What did you think of how we wrapped it up? How the bow was tied? So yeah, I wrote bow jibbers like <laughs> big time. I was like, but it still did kind of hook me a little bit, like the especially with the end and the setup for the next one being like, now we've got this sort of like vigilante justice side, which yeah. like fucking yes, please love that. I also did like the romantic in me was like, all right, that they're, I mean, they said they're I love yous and they did the like it's cute. Because I definitely appreciated that there was a little bit of that aspect, but it never got to, like, it wasn't the point. It was, like, a a superfluous, like, side story. The mirroring of Kyrian Faraday and Citra and Rowan makes sense to me. It's just, like, the cycle begins again. <laughs> yeah, on, on the note of their relationship, the I love you, I was like, Bleh. Uh, yeah, of course. To be fair, to be fair, where romance is always accepted in YA, this was the the best for me that they could have done it. Where like there were it's some so of those minimal. It's so minimal, exactly. And there were those moments where they were like, I don't know how she feels about me now. Like Rowan talks about when he breaks her spine at yeah. the conclave, and he's like, Well, I need her to hate me because you know he has feelings for her. And like the night I think before Faraday is gleaned or self-gleaned they like almost kiss or something like that like they kind of have that moment then they're like oh well I still hate you ha 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 so there was like those tiny bits in there but it wasn't like the book that shall not be named where it was 300 pages timing so it did obviously there had to be feelings for them to both want to try to save each other so it did work that way but it was still like I love you love you too (laughs) yeah well and I I don't know part of me appreciates this because like they both were trying to prevent each other from having to glean the other. Um, and they really stuck to that. Like there were moments where, um, and I think Curie like tried to kind of set the stage for Citrus expectations. Like Goddard's a terrible person. He's had his claws in Rowan now for a while and you shouldn't trust him. Yeah. Like you don't know what his, and I f- appreciate that she took that, on the one hand and respected the the information or the knowledge whatever like yes that is a possibility but on the other hand was still like pretty sure that Rowan still cares not only that I know I care so like we're still gonna jet it just I don't know it was it was a good amount of romance 
And it was interesting how they both like were playing things and then the other one was kind of seeing through it. Like yeah. with, with that murder, she was like, well, he had to do it. Like with where he is, right. that's how he had to do it. But also he still disqualified himself so it wouldn't look poorly on me. And like, he's trying to throw the fight and she's trying to throw the fight to stop him from throwing, like stepping into his throwing punches and shit like that. There's a lot of that that was that was fun about it. Yeah, so I did have that noted that I was like, yeah, their relationship was there. It wasn't so down your throat. Could have been more painful. Yes, definitely could have been more painful. But obviously, there needs to be some kind of connection moving forward with them to yeah. continue. Again, knowing it's a series, you know that's going to happen between our two main characters. It's just how it works these days, right? Um, as far as <laughs> their ideas for how to get around the system, Rowan just being like, "I'm not going to do it, and it will be fine." <laughs> like, yeah, okay, dude. What? Like, and even yeah. though everyone saw through what Citra did, she still had that, you know, plausible deniability. She's like, I was going to stab him. You saw me. I tried to stab him. You stopped me, not me. And like, yeah. also, like, like, I had to punch crazy. him because, like, he's a dick and he broke, my spine. he broke my spine. Of course, yeah. I'm going to fucking punch him, you know? It's like, okay, uh, that was a better idea than just be like throwing a temper tantrum. I'm just going to not. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> Like the fact that they had Faraday set up, I guess if she tried to escape, she would have at least known Faraday was there. Whereas if she, like it wasn't like she knew she was going to win, there was some of that. Like who knows? But Rowan right. had put a lot of darkness behind him because, like they said, not everybody believed his story about Goddard, and like I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect of him. So I think it was leaning towards Citra, but still, I guess you could get away with her setup for Faraday would have been also maybe as an escape for her. So that works. Yeah. No, totally. And I do appreciate that, like, now they've both had the opportunity to, like, work with post-Glean, self-Glean Faraday. Right. That's what I look, kind of like what you're just touching on, because Curry, before this happens, uh, asks her to become her junior Yeah. You have to work under somebody else for a year or a few years. I do like what you were kind of saying. Now we have Faraday and Rowan probably working together on the uh, psych Lucifer side, and then we yeah. have Curry and Citra working together, changing the system from within, on the inside. Yeah, so yeah. it definitely, like you're saying, it, it was a great ending where it was like, okay, I want to know what happens. This, yeah, this, this isn't one that will go into obscurity. I will probably find this book at some point and see what happens. Yeah, I looked it up on uh, Thrift Books to see how much the next book was, and it was more expensive than I wanted to spend on it. But it doesn't mean I won't buy it at some point. Just one to keep your eye out on for sure. So um, aside from that, for another additional spoiler, I had the final test and kind of everything that went into that. That was a really emotional thing, especially. And I was surprised. Yeah, that was super. uh, That got me in the feels as basically we, we live it through Citra's and she's the last one to go or whatever. And then we learn about. Rowan's later, which makes sense. Totally makes sense. Touched out with their family, but yeah. the fact that she has that moment with Ben and Curry knows it's coming, and she tells her like nobody can tell you. It's kind of our, it's our deal. We can't. If it looks like you were told, which obviously this it would. Hey, yeah. kill your family member. Oh, okay. I'm totally okay with that right away. I mean, Rowan was, I guess, but well, yeah, yeah that's different. Um, so that that moment between her and Ben, where like she's even telling him like I'm so like you'll be fine, you're gonna come back, like blah blah. blah. But then yeah, to have he was that, so brave, <laughs> he was. But then to have that memory of like yeah, you did this to me, and then knowing that you doing this to him is going to grant him eternal life can't be gleaned if you're a, a family member of a site, but he'll always remember that you killed him. Like that's. But I do think awesome. that 
it is fucked up from like the family member standpoint but also i think that that's such an important like final test for for the sides because like there's no circumstance because once you're a scythe your family like isn't at risk anymore but like it gives you a chance for like true empathy for the people that you're gleaning because then you're on the not necessarily the receiving end you're not being gleaned but you're you're directly affected you know does that make sense like it's it's a good for last test yeah and i forget if it was faraday or curry but something happens and they're like oh that's like the second hardest thing i've ever had to do or something like that Mm -hmm. obviously meaning that this final test was the first hardest thing they had to do and and we learned from curry that she's no longer close to her family and you know assumingly that's probably why why like obviously (laughs) rowan just shot his mom in the head without even thinking about it i assume that's really gonna the lettuce is out of the (laughs) (laughs) that was again just for a ya was a super powerful emotional moment to have in there yeah the other cool thing about curry too that we didn't really touch on we talked about it in spoilers now how they're not they're not supposed to live extravagantly or whatever her house is a bit extravagant but oh yeah falling waters keeps it maintained because it's like this this beautiful like cabin yeah. kind of like with a waterfall a river yeah. running underneath it or something like that Andrew, just... yeah have you not heard of that place oh that's, that's a real not... place i i've seen like pictures i don't yeah. know that place but i've seen pictures of like these people that have like a, a glass floor so you can see the river running under it i don't know if it's that no so this is like falling waters is like a legit yeah. andrew lloyd that maybe that's wrong like a legit architect like that's like a real and that's what i interpreted was that the he, she was saying this was like a pre pre-living forever time historical architectural gem right i yeah i, I got that it was just when citra was there she's like how could you like live in such right and she's like no no you don't understand doing a service here to preserve it if yeah. i wasn't here people would not pay to preserve it but because yeah. i'm here it is preserved. I keep this bit from the time of mortality or whatever they called it. Yeah, I forget what they call it. I just thought that was another just kind of... How awesome she is. Yeah, and like smart smart way of doing it. Um, yeah. It was just a neat thing. Another just kind of part of her background and gave her more individuality, which again, I think is what uh, Schusterman really mastered here. Yeah. No, you're uh, totally right. The last additional spoiler I had was how shitty the high blade is. Like, oh my god. I pictured him like this just big old fat fuck with a red face and like no no morals. And in a world where your nanites can do everything for you, oh. including including affect your metabolism, so you don't have to be o- overweight or obese or anything like that. He chooses to be. And he chooses to weigh himself down in gold and and show off that he is better than everyone. It's just Right away, there was nothing about this man to like or to be trusted. And then when you find out that he was, uh, or that Goddard was his apprentice, it like totally tracks. Makes sense. Yeah. Totally tracks. That's something that I forgot to mention that was really annoying the nanites. Bo. Yeah. Bo that just pissed me off so hard when Rowan first gets to Goddard's um, apprenticeship and they're like, we've turned off your pain nanites and we're going to beat the fuck out of you. I was like, what are we as humans if we're like, oh my God, it just was like a bleh moment. And that was one of your YA moments that you were, it was like, oh, he broke his ankle, but this nanites immediately went to work. And like, no big deal. Uh, yeah, for and sure. More proof that we're the worst 
but uh, yeah, the high, well, and the worst of the worst was the high blade. I mean, the fact that he like had his cabin moved to the top of the tallest building that was still left and he didn't have railings on it because he was like, well, if anybody gets too close to fall, it's their own fault. Like it just bows on bows on bows and just like a really bad villain. Like, well, like, and of course Goddard would be his progeny's not right, protege. but his molding like yeah. protege. Yeah, that's right. But Goddard's terrible and is worse than uh the high blade but the high blade made him and you can see that he's corrupt as fuck like oh my god yeah so bad. like it's always the ones in charge that are the worst and you can oh just yeah see. absolute power corrupts absolutely like you said yeah. at the outset so you could just and, see that with him I, with goddard and the high blade both i got very much those like cops that really want to be cops and really shouldn't be cops vibes yeah 100 yeah. percent uh, to bring it back to another book, the high the high blade kind of reminded me of the Harkonnens in Oh hell yeah. Where he had to have the things to like yes. his body up because he was so, so big. Gross. Yeah, that's I mean I granted he was weighed down in gold, but the fact that he jumped into a pool and could almost drowned. Yeah. Yeah. Because he couldn't get out of his ropes. There was too much gold in him. Yeah, he was just uh, and he's still alive. So I'm sure he definitely doesn't play into the rest of the story. Oh yeah, for sure not. I mean, probably like they'll end up overtaking Scythem and I would hope so. I hope so too. Yeah, no, it was a good like ending. The hook was The hook was the set. Hook was believable and like fun enough to make me intrigued. Yeah, for sure. And we do have from insiders that the second book was good. So Oh, uh, that's right. I forgot we had insiders. Right. So uh, we'll have to check that out at some point. So that was everything I had. Oh, no, the last <laughs> thing. Oh, totally. It's funny because I thought of this this morning and wrote it and then ignored it. How at the beginning of each chapter, they had the snippets of the journal. So as oh, yeah. to keep themselves honest and kind of have that self-reflection, every site has to write in their journal every day. And then those become records to the public if they want them. Like it's kind of like your history. You can go back and look on how you were feeling or why you did certain things, whatever. But they had little snippets of them to begin each chapter. I just wanted to touch on that, how you how you liked or didn't like that, or if you thought it added anything. I liked it. I did think it added something in terms of sometimes when there's those kinds of things ahead of chapters, it's like, here's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in that chapter. But I also think that because most of them were from Curie, before we kind of like met her in actual fact, it gave us a little bit of some insight into like her her awesomeness. Yeah. And I I think that seeing the difference between hers and Goddard's was interesting. And yeah, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was an interesting f- way to not necessarily keep them honest, but to like have that be something that also was public was interesting. Yeah, I really liked it. And you touched on the main part, the fact that we met Curry before we met Curry. So yeah, who she was. And it'd be interesting to go back and kind of read those now that after you met her to kind of see how that played up or, you know, played together. But I did, like you were just saying, mm-hmm. like the differences between them. And we saw a couple excerpts excerpts from Rowan's and a couple from Faraday as well as Goddard. So it was it was nice to get those kind of direct point of views from from characters that weren't necessarily our protagonists. So I did enjoy that. And they were mostly quick. I think there might have been a couple that were more than a page long, but most of them were very short little snippets. So uh, definitely added something to it. 
And just one last thing we, we didn't mention was how that when you become a psych, you get to choose. I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> somebody from history, like a, a great thinker, I think is what they were supposed to go for, or like a um, an inventor, like obviously uh, like Madame Curie. Madame Curie. Um, I, I thought that was interesting. And like the first one, I think the first site took Socrates, like, yeah. anyway, <laughs> I think that was kind of an interesting touch as well to the point where. I think we learned Curry's real name is like Susan or something like that. Like they talk yeah. about how they forget their name. Nobody still alive calls me by my, my original right. name, which obviously sets up the, the Gerald being Faraday situation. Yes. I also, what did she? Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Cause it like, tell me you're this type of person without telling me you're that type of person in that they choose a name that kind of like works for them and I thought it was interesting that um Citra chose Anastasia which is like first of all you're like picking the first name not the last name which is like the norm but she gives such like a solid reasoning for it and I like that it's also like setting the stage for some quality like retribution yeah a bit of a fuck you like letting everyone know hey I'm I'm, I'm coming yeah <laughs> I did I did like that was another piece where again like with the ending we're like okay what's Rowan doing that's exciting but also Citra is left in a great place too so it's yeah both of them and and that's what you need for a story to continue so we will check that out for the third time I ask now that I'm pretty sure I have nothing else did you have anything else uh before I don't think so I mean, the name the name choosing was kind of the last thing that I was thinking of that we hadn't touched on yet yeah, so for a YA, it was a quick read, and there's a lot there. Uh, if you yeah. want to dig a little bit deeper, I do like even without it. Well, I can't say that because I know it's a podcast book, but I'm reading it. I'm getting more into it than I maybe would have. Yeah. It'd be interesting to read it without that. If you kind of go as deep as I feel like we did, uh, but <laughs> who knows? So on that note, uh, we are going to move out of spoilers and moving out of spoilers we do not quite yet move away from the book as we have to finish by giving it a grade this is your first episode welcome it's not welcome back so our grading system is based on the D d20 scale so one is bad 20 is good and then we add or subtract a characteristic or ability from the game of dungeons and dragons to give it our final grade uh this episode i am first as we do try to alternate so for me this one, I think, fit perfectly on the Goodreads scale. Uh, for me, I thought there was a lot in it. It, it was, for a while, it gave you a lot of extra thinking. Uh, it is something that, like, didn't blow my mind or change my mind about anything, but there was emotion in there. The romance wasn't thrown down your face, and it was a cool story. There was obviously a lot of thought put into this, into the world building, into the characters. And like I said, I think the strongest part of it was the characters. You liked who you were supposed to like. You hated who you were supposed to hate, and for different reasons. And again, if I could have a book, which there might be, because there is like a a book that came out in 2020. There which is. Outside the yeah. Which could be kind of what I was looking for, where it's more about individual sites and what they do. And I don't know if it is that or not, but it might be something worth checking out at some point. Yeah. The reason I, I say that I think this fits Goodreads perfectly is for me, this was a solid four star book, which uh, we're doing, you know, the D20 scale. I'm giving it a 16, which I think is a solid grade. Definitely a book to check out. I think there was a lot in it that made it interesting. It was a super quick read, especially after what I had been reading, which we'll get into soon. Uh, and it was really enjoyed enjoyful it was really (laughs) enjoying to read uh i did take some points away because it was bows on bows on bows on bows maybe one for each bow there where the twists weren't as twisty they they seemed to make sense they seemed like it wasn't out of left field uh which 
you don't always want, but you kind of want to be a little bit more surprised, I would say. Right. So took a little bit of points away from that. But again, the, the characters were really written well. The setting was really cool. Don't want to live forever. Uh, so let's not move towards this part of the future. Oh, so for me, I'm giving it a plus one for wisdom, kind of just for everything I was just touching on. Just a lot of thought was put into the book. And while you can just read it as a story, there are a ton of undertones about humanity, how we treat rules, how we treat each other, how we see ourselves, what power does. Uh, and no matter how much oversight you have, people will find ways to work around it. So I did think there's just a lot of deeper meaning things in there and a lot of wisdom dropped by Schusterman about how humans, not all we're cracked up to be. So uh, overall for me, that's a 17, a, a solid grade, I think. Uh, something to check out. Yeah, I agree. I gave it a straight roll of 17 because I it was a quick read. It was fun. The way that he writes is believable from a character standpoint, from a world standpoint to a certain extent. I mean, it is a YA, so I'm going to give it a little bit of a pass in some of the, the bow aspect. And it's like a future that sounds terrible. No, thank you for a lot of reasons. But I think that he did a very, very good job world building and character building and presenting it in a way that was like you said sort of both YA and had like deeper levels to it and I'm gonna give it a plus one constitution because I think that Citra and Rowan kind of learning to go against their nature and glean and like be okay with killing took a lot of effort and they were also still able to stick to their their guns, you know, especially Rowan having to be under Goddard's tutelage and not... To come to the dark side. Yeah, not turn into an evil power-grubbing douche nozzle. Took a lot. Took a lot of constitution. So yeah, that's a total of 18 for me. Nice. Yeah, so definitely something to check out. We will be more than happy to give you our copies if you would like to read it. But uh, one last time, the book was Sight by Neil Schusterman. Uh, Taja picked it up as a surprise book for us. The cover, cover is badass. Yes, which is why that happened. So check that out. Now, moving away from the book, we wrap up with our usual segments. And that starts with current selection. Taja, what have you been getting into the last month? So like been bad at reading i read scythe super quick while we were in puerto rico i think it only took me like five six days and then i've still been reading half a war because i'm i don't know when we were in maine i was just making friendship bracelets like a crazy person and i don't know it's not that it's a bad book like it's a very good book i really love the way he writes but i am just like I don't know. I'm in a funk right now. I hear you. That that does happen from time to time. Uh, it's like I've been looking at my TBR and just being like, like I, just fighting. Like I don't know what to get into, and uh, it is tough. I, I took a few days off as well, kind of like the in between uh, Portugal and Maine. I was like, well, I don't want to get into a book, or like yeah. I read Sight during that time, and then once I finished that, I think I had a couple days. I'm like, well, I don't want to read anything else. And then when we were in Maine, I brought my e-reader and didn't even pick it up so I hear you on that for sure uh for me I wanted to use my time in Portugal as best I could which meant diving into the wheel of time you know those books seem to take a while and for us when we travel I get a good amount of time to read because Amanda's not a morning person and where here I can be distracted by video games or working outside or the tv a lot of times when we travel, we don't really have those things. So it means I'm just focusing more on reading. So I ended up reading books four, five, and six. 
of the Holy Wheel of Time series. Shit. Yeah. So it's taken me like, uh, what we did, we read Eye of the World last year around Dragon's Con, Dragon Con. So whatever, uh, about a month we started. So in those, like from then to, I don't know, before we left on vacation, I had read three books. And then in the two weeks we were in Portugal, I doubled the amount of Wheel of Time Damn. I had read. So uh, really liked book four. It focused a lot on Perrin, who has become probably my favorite character. Him and uh, Falye, Falcon, like really. Oh, yeah. That combo. So I enjoyed that. Book five, we like don't even get any Perrin. And book six, we get a little bit. So I like four was great. Great. Uh, at least for me left on a good hanger five it was it was still good uh left us with some stuff and then six i kind of struggled through a bit uh we're focusing a lot at least in those five and six on like naive Egwene, elaine and like well i don't mind them as characters there's a lot of things that happen like i get the wheel weaves as the wheel wills but yeah. it seems like we have found the most miraculous teenagers in the world as oh all my god like, regardless of just, like, the things that happen to them, they're also, like, well, making discoveries. And they're, like, it's, it was getting a little bit much, I think, maybe reading three in a row. So I, I had to take a break from yeah. that. But I, I will go back to it. It's, again, just seemed to fit because I knew we were going to be taking an extended break. And then after Maine, I picked up Babel. And that's what I read this week, the uh, oh. Arcane History. And I liked it. Kind of both, actually, it's interesting. Remind me of Game of Thrones in different ways. So yeah. Wheel of Time reminds me of Game, of Game of Thrones because each book I feel like is like a season where it's sure. like if your character is focused on, you like it a lot more. If they're not, you're like, nah, it was okay. With Babel, it was more just like nobody is safe. <laughs> and I really appreciated that. And it was um, it was interesting all the, you've touched on it you because you read it recently, like all this, the, the translation and the history behind the words, like the that thought that went into that yeah. book is crazy yeah um, I had myself like after I finished that I was like looking at words differently right for a bit you know what I mean <laughs> and it was interesting how they have that conversation they're like we can't even have conversations anymore because yeah. we're like, breaking down words as we yeah. speak them. it's crazy I won't go that far uh, <laughs> way too much and then yesterday I just picked up a Harlan Coben which is like the first one in quite a while a standalone <laughs> one so we'll see but again I was looking at like my TBR and I'm like oh I don't know what we're gonna get into quick. the show so let's just do something quick here so that is where we're at for random recommendation all those books we just talked about I can't random recommend because we basically already have or we've covered them so we're going outside of the podcast once again and this is a book from Sully's friend Ben that we met in Rwanda he actually lives in California uh, and he knows him from firefighting, but he was telling us about this book called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. And hopefully I got that right. I've definitely probably butchered the name, but the little blurb I pulled out of Wikipedia is this book focusing on Homo sapiens surveys the history of humankind starting from the Stone Age and going up to the 21st century. The account is situated within a framework that intersects the natural sciences with the social sciences. So you just say it's like very interesting because it really details our progression. It is nonfiction. And it's just, he said it was very interesting and like thought provoking. And it's been something that I've been on the lookout for, which bums me out because we went to a library sale while we were up in Maine and it was so cramped and clustered in there. And nonfiction is usually the last place in the world I go. So it was, and I saw right before I got there, some woman had found this book and picked it up. And I was so bummed uh, because it is something ever since Rwanda, I've been trying to keep an eye out for uh, in the used shelf. So a little yeah. kick in the pants there. 
I also had a moment of reflection about that library sale in that I brought a whole bunch of books to donate to the sale and quite a lot of them were podcast books. And after I got home, I was like, I should have made sure that I stamped all of those books. And I think some of them were, but I think I forgot. And I was like, what a freaking missed opportunity. I did donate Gort. First edition? That could have been worth six to four dollars. Probably no one will buy it. I also made library in Brooksville. I also made a mistake there as the people working it were like, man bun, get the man bun. And they wanted to get a picture of me with a bunch of books, but it was kind of cold. And I was was, another shirt on. I had a sweatshirt over the podcast shirt, like an idiot. I should have taken off the sweatshirt and then also it was not cold in there. I don't know how you it was cold outside. I know, but like I had to remove a layer once we got in there because it was hot. See, I'd rather just roll up the sleeves. I like don't want to take no, I I was overheating like anyway all over the place uh, also i might have gotten sick from that freaking <laughs> shakes fist well we got outside and becky was like yeah last year a bunch of people came down with covid of this thing and i was like why are you telling us this after we went too late <laughs> so yeah so anyway again the book is sapiens a brief history of humankind by Yuval noah harari again just a kind of different random different recommendation but one that was given to me That's and it interesting. is it is a book, I think it was originally published in 2011, that I've heard a lot about and actually was originally written in Hebrew and has been translated. So Interesting. With Babel there as well. Again, all of I my wonder notes. what was lost in translation. All of my notes come from Wikipedia, so do not <laughs> that. Our last bit of business as we are wrapping up here is what's on the next podcast and when is the next podcast? So this is a two for folks because we are going to try to get back on track. We had kind of hoped to do this while we are in Maine. But we remain with a bunch of our friends and we didn't want to. So uh, sorry for the extended delay here. But to make it up to you, you beautiful listeners, you, we are going to try to fit a second podcast in. Well, technically, I guess not yet this week, but next Friday. So this will probably come out Monday while you're listening, which means the next one will be recorded that Friday and come out the following Monday-ish. We'll see. So you'll have another one coming before the two weeks are up. And then we're going to try to get back on schedule with that because of that. We're going to do another random book. Also, I really like doing the random books. We're going to do another random book because it is a smaller one that I think we can fit within our time frame. So this is one I gave Tasha way back when. It is the one that the man at Barnes & Noble, when I bought it, was like, you know, you're buying the same book here. And I was like, yes. What kind of doofus? Because it was buy one, get one half off or whatever it was. Buy one, get one free. As if you don't have eyeballs. I know. Are you sure? (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Tasha, if you- a different book. If you want to open it and let us know uh, what we're going to fit in this next week. Ooh, nettle and bone. I have seen this everywhere. Yes, and our good friend Nern just recently read it, uh, which made me think ah. that she was going to give you a copy. So Nettle and Bone by T. King Fisher. So this is a fantasy book, the little blurb on the back. This isn't the kind of fairy tale where the princess marries a prince. It's the one where she kills him. So it is a smaller book. I would be very excited to get into that. And like I just said, we hope to bring it to you within a week. So on that note, this has been the ABC Pod, the Adult Book Club with Taja and Russell. Keep reading.